Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 23. We'll finish up chapter 23 and get into chapter 24 through verse 13. Now, as we are in this section of Numbers, as those who have been coming each week know, we have been spending a lot of time with Balaam. Balaam, the prophet. He was not a prophet that arose from the people of God, but a pagan prophet that was hired by a pagan king to curse the people of Israel. But as we have seen each week, that Balaam, instead of cursing God's people, has actually spoken blessing over God's people. And this week we'll see the third oracle of Balaam spoken over the people of Israel. Now, in the book of Numbers, we have a lot of different types of literature before us. The book of Numbers isn't just one type of literature, but we have several different types. We have census figures. We have law. We have narrative portions that tell the story of Israel's wandering through the wilderness. And we have prophecy. And in the last several weeks, and even into next week, that's the type of literature that we will be looking at, and God's Word is prophecy. But it's important as we come to each of these different types of literature to understand how they are to be read. In particular, prophecy in the Word of God is not primarily fortune-telling, It's not primarily about predicting the future. Rather, prophecy is seeing the world from God's perspective and then speaking forth the truth of what is truly happening. Now that vision will be forward-focused, even as God knows all that has happened, all that is happening, and all that will happen, the truth of what God sees will point us forward into the future and what is happening in the future. But again, the primary purpose is not history in advance, but rather wisdom for the present rooted in what God is and what God will do. So let us turn our attention now to God's Word, Numbers chapter 23, starting in verse 27. And Balak said to Balaam, Come now, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, which overlooks the desert. And Balaam said to Balak, Build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. 
How lovely are your tents, O Jacob! Your encampments, O Israel! Like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, and like a lioness, who will rouse him up? Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. I said, I will certainly honor you, but the Lord has held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, Did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord to do either good or bad of my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak. This is God's holy word for his people. Let us pray. Father, I come to you now through Christ Jesus, asking that you would graciously give to me your spirit. Even as we read in the book of Acts how you poured out your spirit upon the messengers of the gospel that they might boldly proclaim your truth. We pray in this time that You would pour out Your Spirit, that Your truth would be proclaimed in power, and that the faith of Your people would not rest upon human wisdom, but upon a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. And we pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen. In our passage for this morning... We come to see that in the kingdom of God, things are not always what they would seem. That spiritual realities are often much different than what the physical eye perceives. While the physical eye that looks out on the people of Israel in our passage would see a homeless, tired, weak group of former slaves, Balaam is given eyes to see a healthy, strong, nation of God's people. The physical eye can lead us astray and can often hide from us the true path of blessing and life. And it is not until our eyes are opened by the Lord that we will be able to see the spiritual truth that leads to life. And so what I want to do this morning is show you first how our eyes are open to see spiritual realities And then second, show you the hidden realities that Balaam saw as recorded in our passage this morning. So first, how are our eyes open to see spiritual realities? Look down at verse 2 of your text. There we read, 
And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him. Our text tells us that Balaam was given the Holy Spirit of God as he looked upon the people of Israel. Now in the New Covenant era, the Holy Spirit is given to all who come to faith in Christ. And it is never taken away. It is the possession of those who have faith in Christ. Yet under the Old Covenant, the Spirit is often given for a particular task and maybe later removed. Balaam was given the Spirit here with the specific task of speaking blessing over the people of Israel. Look at the result of the Lord giving Balaam the Spirit. We read in verses 3 and 4 of your text, if you would look down. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. At the giving of the Spirit, Balaam has his eyes open. He can see spiritual truth. While the physical eye reveals to us physical truth, color, height, movement, etc., the Spirit reveals to us spiritual truth. Truth. Truth concerning God's purposes and character. What we should believe concerning God and what duties God requires of us. And therefore, we who would seek to know spiritual truth, would seek to know the mind of the Lord, we must seek the Spirit of God. We must call out that God would give us His Spirit that we might see clearly. In his explanation of why the world rejects the mystery of the gospel, Paul tells the church in Corinth, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The reason why the world rejects the gospel is because they have not been given the Spirit of God to understand and see the truth of God. So then how does one come to understand? Well, Paul says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Here is why we see in verse 1 of our text that Balaam no longer looked for omens as he had done in the past. He set aside his pagan and idolatrous means of procuring spiritual information and he received wisdom from the Spirit of God. He was carried along by the Spirit of God, not speaking to his own interpretation of the world, but rather speaking from God Himself. To see and understand spiritual truth, you must first receive the Spirit of God. Now, of course, you can know true things about this world without the Spirit. You can know about the Bible. You can know true things about God. You can even know true things about salvation apart from the Spirit. 
But all of this knowledge about God, about His world, about the way of salvation in Christ is folly until you have received the Spirit of God and by the Spirit come to know God Himself. For a faith that is founded on human wisdom and arguments will come to an end. It will eventually fail. Yet when the Spirit of God has opened your eyes, then you will receive the wisdom of God in Christ to know the truth of the Gospel. And this means that we must submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God as a sufficient means of knowing the truth of God, of knowing the way of salvation. We can leave aside our contrived methods of seeking spiritual wisdom, even as Balaam did, as he left aside seeking omens. Our man-made rituals, our man-made practices that we think bring us so much knowledge. God isn't playing hide-and-seek with us. He isn't hiding under the covers, waiting for us to pull them back and discover who He is. God has given to us His Spirit that we might see the truth of the Gospel recorded for us in the Word of God. How do we have eyes to see spiritual truth? By the Spirit of God opening our eyes to the wisdom of His Word. And once our eyes are open to spiritual truth, we begin to see that the natural eye often blinds us to spiritual truth so then what did Balaam see once his eyes were opened by the spirit the way that we see is by receiving the spirit but once we receive the spirit what is it that we are going to see well the first thing that he saw was a garden in the midst of the desert in verse one we see that Balaam turns his eyes towards quote the wilderness He cast his eye towards Israel encampment in the desert. As we have followed Israel in their 40 years of wandering, we have seen that the environment in which they found themselves was harsh. Often they were without water. They were without food. Nevertheless, Balaam looks out on these desert wanderers and he sees something that we would not expect. Look at verses 5 through 7. See what he said. He says, how lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters. It's as though Balaam were looking out on a third world shanty town saying, I see Beverly Hills. I see mansions. I see wealth. I see abundance. The desert dwellings of Israel are outwardly devoid of life, but Balaam is given eyes to see the spiritual reality. He comes to understand that within the camp of Israel is the water of life. Look how often water is mentioned in these few verses. A garden beside a river. Trees beside the waters. Water shall flow. His seed shall be in many waters. 
The physical eye looks at a desert, but the spiritual eye sees the water of life flowing forth from the encampment of Israel. These verses are an illustration, an illusion, a reminder of what God created man to receive. Eden was surrounded by four rivers which fed the garden of the Lord, the garden that the Lord had planted. The Lord placed His people in this garden that they might receive the blessing of His presence. And yet by their sin, they were cast out. But it is the Lord's purpose and desire to make Canaan a renewed Eden. It is His purpose to establish a nation that would receive the blessing of His presence in the land of His dwelling. Here in the book of Numbers, the Lord is not just bringing Israel to a new place to live. In bringing Israel to the land of Canaan, the Lord is bringing His children back to their home. Back to the garden home where He would dwell with them forever. The eye that has been opened by the Spirit sees that Israel, though in a desert for the time, is the fountain of water from which a renewed Eden will come. Israel is the nation out of which living water will flow to all the earth. You see, the natural eye doesn't see it. Just as the natural eye looks at the church and sees weakness. We see hypocrites. We see the foolishness of preaching. We see the emptiness of the sacraments. The natural eye looks at what we do in a church and we say, that's just foolish. You know, if you really want to make a difference, you need to be a political activist. You need to open up a counseling practice. You need to be more like a social service organization. And these things are good. But this is not what God has called the church to be. We are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, to point people to the water of life, Jesus Christ Himself. And the world will look at us and say, you are a desert. But once your eyes are opened, you will see that we have the very water of life, Jesus Christ Himself. Yes, the world will look at the church and say that it is weak. But we see by the Spirit that here is the water of life. The next thing that Balaam sees is that Israel will have victory in the midst of their weakness. They will be a garden in the desert and they will have victory in their weakness. The second half of verse 7 through verse 8, we read there, His king shall be higher than Agog and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries. As Balaam looks out over the nation of Israel with his natural eye, he sees a nation that has no king, that will have no king for decades. A nation that's been enslaved for hundreds of years. A nation that has no home. A nation that has antiquated military technology. 
The only thing that Israel has is the Lord. And if the Lord is not with them, they are without hope. As you remember, this is why Israel didn't want to go into Canaan in the first generation. This is why they refused when the spies came back with the report of the land. They said that it's filled with strong cities and strong people. And they looked at themselves with the natural eye and they saw their own military weakness. They didn't have a king that could lead them in battle. They didn't have the same military strength and numbers. So they refused to go forward because they were looking at the situation with the natural eye. Nevertheless, as Balaam looks at the nation of Israel with eyes opened by the Spirit, he sees a future of victory that awaits a seemingly weak nation. For there is a future coming when a king will arise in Israel who will be stronger and more powerful than even the king of the Amorites. Yes, they were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord has fought on their behalf to give them victory. The nations will rage and the peoples will plot, but the Lord will give victory to Israel. You see, apart from the Lord, they have no power, but with the Lord on their side, Israel will have Victory. And this is what having your eyes open by the Spirit reveals to you that you cannot see with the physical eye. Namely, that with the Lord, it is in weakness that we find victory. It is in humility that we find exaltation. For we read in 2 Corinthians, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We are told by the world that the path to success and fulfillment is through strength. It's through power. Set your sights high. Aim high and you will succeed. Yet what the eyes enlightened by the Spirit see is that weakness is the path to spiritual victory. Humility, dependence, vulnerability, gentleness is what led Christ to victory. This is the path that the Lord Jesus Christ took. He humbled Himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. But it was in the death of Christ that victory was won. And it is in dying with Christ that we too will find eternal life. As Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, apart from the spirit, the death of Christ is foolishness. How can a death bring life? But when the Spirit opens your eyes, you will see the power of Christ crucified as the source of everlasting life. Last week, we spoke about the victory of the church. And the reason people 
think that we are losing ground. The reason why we need God's word to encourage us that the church is winning is because the path to victory, the path to true victory is humility and weakness. Is the church going to expand to all the ends of the earth? Yes, but it's not going to be through strength of force, but through the foolishness of the gospel and the humility of the church. That is how the gospel will go forward. That's how victory will be won. Not by gathering as many resources of power that we can gather together and then going forth into the world in our own strength but being humble and being weak and going forth in the power of the Spirit of God and doing what only God can do through us. So that God, not man, will receive the glory. And so when we are given the Spirit of God, our eyes are open to see what the physical eye is not able to see. We see that with God, a desert can become a garden. We see that with God, weakness will lead to victory. And finally, we see that with God, dishonor can lead to blessing. King Balak had promised Balaam great honor and wealth if he would curse the people of Israel. Nevertheless, Balaam refused and instead spoke blessing over God's people. Now as Balak has now for the third time heard Israel blessed, he is frustrated. And he says to Balaam in verse 11 of your text, I said, I will certainly honor you. But the Lord has held you back from honor. This is what the physical eye sees. If you follow the Lord's command, you will come to dishonor. Balaam, all you had to do was curse Israel and you would have received riches beyond compare. But since you decided to follow the Lord, you will get nothing but disgrace. Have you not felt this struggle as well in your own life? Will following the Lord lead you to poverty? Will it lead you to dishonor? Will you be held back in your career? Will you lose friends and family? Will you be mocked and insulted? Will you be cursed and alienated and persecuted for your faith by the world? Yes. Yes, you will be. But the eyes of faith see a greater truth and see a greater blessing in the dishonor that the world brings to you. Look at verse 9 of your text. Balaam says, Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. Yes, Balaam is losing the blessing of Balak, losing the blessing of men, but he was pursuing the blessing of the Lord. It means that he was turning from pursuing the world as the source of his blessing and turning to God as the source of his blessing. This is what Moses was pursuing as well. We read in the book of Hebrews that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Do you see he made 
that choice to turn from the pleasures of being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was turning from the pleasures of sin and rather he chose the dishonor of being mistreated with the people of God. Why would you do that? Why would you turn from all the riches of Egypt to the poverty of being joined to the people of God? Well, the text continues. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Moses was given eyes to see that the dishonor of following Christ is of greater value than all the gold in Egypt. He saw that being cursed by the world because of following Christ will actually lead to greater blessing than the world could give. And I know this sounds crazy, but those who have eyes to see it understand they understand what paul means when he says i rejoice in my sufferings or what the apostles after being beaten for preaching christ were saying why would they say that they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of christ this is why the lord jesus himself said blessed blessed are you when others revile you And persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, without the Spirit, we cannot see this truth. We cannot pursue this treasure. But when you have your eyes opened by the Spirit, you will see there is great reward and blessing in the dishonor that the world brings. As we pursue the wealth of Christ. If we are content only to see the world through natural perception. Through the physical eye. Then we will miss what the Lord is doing. The story is told of an artist who determined to paint a great mural. That would be the very masterpiece of his career. In the early stages of his work, the artist laid a foundation of grays and blues for the sky. As he concluded this portion of his work, he asked a friend of his what he thought of his work. The artist asked his friend, he said, this is going to be the masterpiece of my life. What do you think of it? Isn't it grand? His friend replied, all that I see is a great dull dab. Then the artist said, oh, yes, I forgot. When you look at the picture, you only see what is there. Now, whenever I look at it, I see what is going to be there. You see, the Lord has not yet completed his masterpiece. The kingdom of God is at hand, but it is not here in its fullness yet. And until that time, we must seek the Spirit to give us eyes to see in Christ that the desert will become a garden, that weakness will lead to victory, and that the dishonor of the world will lead to the blessing of the kingdom of God. So let us walk by faith, not by sight, trusting the Spirit to lead us all the way home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Father, we come to you now at this time and we pray, Lord, again, that you would pour out your spirit upon us. We pray thanksgiving to you, Lord Jesus, that as you ascended into heaven, that you took up the seat of power and authority and poured out your spirit upon the church. And so we ask, O God, that you would in your grace pour forth your spirit upon us, that we might have eyes to see and that we might pursue Christ all the days of our lives. We pray it through Christ's holy name. Amen.